it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. Here we are. We are back from Labor Day weekend. I'm not going to spend any time on the happy talk of what I did or, or anything for that. We have to get right into it. The hardcore summer's over. Maybe we ought to call, call this the hard call fall, hardcore fall. I mean, technically, I think it's still summer calendar-wise. But the school years, my kids went off to school today. It's like it's a brand new year for them. But the Democrats are in complete denial that the jobs numbers were off by 500,000 because of the extended so-called COVID relief that they were sending out to millions of people who decided to take the summer and just not work. And there's you. There's a parallel here. Every issue we discuss going forward has to involve the open border. And it almost is starting to sound, and I have a New York Times piece in front of me, they are bragging that Democrats are going to go to a cradle-to-grave welfare system, what they're calling a, a safety net. It's not a safety net. If you're born into it, you live through it, and then you die in it. That's just welfare. That's just socialism. Oh, Andrew, you, you conservative radio guys, you just scream and yell about socialism. Stop it. What do you want to do, get rid of Social Security? Actually, I do. And I have a bloodless way to do it where nobody gets hurt and everybody wins. I've explained it before. I'll make it quick. Everyone that's on it stays on it. Anyone approaching it has the option to be on it or to opt out. Meaning they get that money. They get all of their contributions back. And then there is no annuity. And then at a certain date, people no longer join it. So they never pay in and they never rely on it putting much of that capital in the private sector for actual growth potential versus the losses you take on Social Security, not to mention it's not really your property. That's a different topic for a different day. But they'll point to all these wondrous programs, many of which are either bankrupt or failing. You know, we, we, we're always told how ignorant we are as a people. Our governing elites look down upon us as fools. They look down upon us as, as a not only a nameless, faceless mass of humanity, but something to be pitied. And so-called, I, I hate the phrase policymaker. Many of these people are not elected. We didn't elect them. They don't answer to us and we didn't elect them. But Airfingers quote policymakers seem to be overeducated, useless people that want to use government to make you and me less of a burden to them. But here's, here, here's a simple way to look at this. Yes, simple. I think intelligent people are able to make things more simple, whereas technocrats think they need to make things more complicated. If we the people are ignorant and thus need policymakers to govern us so we don't hurt ourselves, who ran the education system that most of us attended? If the people are considered ignorant by the government 
and it was the government that was running the schools that educated the people, wouldn't the people be ignorant because of government? That maybe it is time for school choice. It is time for a competitive education environment rather than a government monopoly that has apparently rendered us all unable to live our lives without being shoved and nudged and poked by government at every turn. Well, we can't trust you to, to, to make choices in healthcare. We can't trust you to make choices in transportation. We, we, we want to get rid of this disinformation thing. By the way, we're going to get into this little disinformation of Rachel Maddow. Notice how the Democrat side of the media goes out of its way to scare people on every single possible alternative to the vaccines. They did it with hydroxychloroquine and they're doing it again now. This is, this is a horse dewormer. What? Well, there might be side effects. Well, you know how many people have died from side effects of the vaccine? Let's, let's not pretend that there aren't side effects to everything. Everything has side effects. And now they're doing it with this ivermectin. They don't like the idea that, hey, wait a second. This might actually, uh, this might actually be something. Rolling Stone was actually forced to issue an, an apology and an update for a complete botched hit job they did on ivermectin and how it's claimed they're overwhelming hospitals. No, no, it's not. This is a widely prescribed drug that's used in people every day like hydroxychloroquine, like z like zinc and vitamin D. But the media has gone out there to scare people out of... Okay, I'm getting off on a tangent here. 500,000 was the number they were off by. 235,000 jobs were filled. They expected to be over 700,000. They didn't get anywhere close. People are being paid not to work. Now today, for the time being the benefits run out. And it looks like the Democrats are going to do everything they can to cram together another package. And they're calling it, they're already giving it names like the miserable September and dismal September. But listen to this from the New York Times, and then I'm going to explain what this has to do with the open border. And I'm going to provide you perfectly executed political analysis. Headline, from cradle to grave, they're not even hiding it. Democrats move to expand social safety net. When congressional committees meet this week to begin formally drafting the Democrats' ambitious social policy plan, they'll be undertaking the most significant expansion of the nation's safety net since the war on poverty in the 1960s, devising legislation that would touch virtually every American's life from conception to aged infirmity. From cradle to the grave. Passage of the bill, which would spend as much as $3.5 trillion over the next decade, is anything but certain. President Biden, who has staked much of his domestic legacy on the measure's enactment, will need the vote of every single Democrat in the Senate and virtually everyone in the House to secure it. And with two Democratic senators, Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, saying they would not accept such a costly plan, it will challenge Democratic unity like nothing has since the Affordable Care Act. 
That is largely because the proposed legislation would be so transformative, a cradle-to-grave reweaving of a social safety net frayed by decades of expanding income inequality, stagnating wealth, and depleted government resources capped by the worst public health crisis in a century. So they're admitting it. They're going for a cradle-to-the-grave system. They're going to popularize this by cutting some taxes and raising others. In other words, tax the rich. Tax the rich. Tax tax the rich, tax the numeric minority, and spend lavishly on the majority has never worked out. You don't have to regurgitate that Margaret Thatcher quote over and over and over again to know this. It doesn't work for two reasons. It's not that just you run out of other people's money. That does happen. But there are other factors, secondary and tertiary, for example, when rich people stop doing some of the things that made them rich or they move their money elsewhere or their businesses elsewhere. The idea that you could sit in a college classroom and cook up such a system and think there'll be no, that, that you could figure out all of the reactions. Human beings have a funny way of not always living according to the plan. And you see this a lot, even with the CBO and all these other think tanks. Well, if we raise the gas tax this, we'll get this amount of money. Well, what if people drive less? What do you mean? What do you mean, what do I mean? What if they drive less? If you raise a tax and millions of people drive a little bit less, that tax money that you've already accounted for and spent doesn't come in, which drives the debt and the deficit. We saw this happen in in the state of Oregon when they had to initially impose a mileage tax years ago because Oregon is so blue and so progressive. People started buying these hybrid and plug-in vehicles and it was draining the state's gas tax. But they wanted to spend the money anyway. So they turned around and said, well, now we're going to have a mileage tax. Oh, so you you mean this whole thing about how it's cheaper to drive a hybrid or a plug-in? That's not really true when you adjust the taxes. So what went from what sounded like a win-win, like I'm not against plug-in vehicles. If you could save money driving a plug-in vehicle, that's great. As long as you actually get to save money. It's like the whole thing about solar panels. Solar panels are great if you actually get to save money. If the government turns around and says, well, wait a second. By having people put solar panels on their house, they're using less electricity from public-private providers, which has an effect of giving us less money to spend on, let's say, low-income home heating programs or electricity programs. Well, we got to tax you for your solar panel. So now you're going to tax me for using the sun? The government owns the sun now? But what does this have to do with the open border? Well, let me continue. Democrats say they will finance their spending with proposed tax increases on corporations, which has already incited a multifaceted big budget effort by business groups working to kill the idea and by possibly taxing wealth in ways the United States has never tried before. If you've listened to this program at any length, for any length of time, I have been warning you 
over and over and over again about the unrealized gain tax and the net worth tax. And one holds the other's hand. You see, here's some perfectly executed political analysis. As executives from BlackRock were making their way into the Biden administration to set economic policy, BlackRock was buying up whole neighborhoods of new constructions and even existing real estate. Now, why would a massive multi-billion dollar hedge fund want to get in on micro-purchases of real estate? Well, and at a loss, by the way, and at a loss. If you wanted to do two things, if you wanted to then help the government, I guess, the administration to which your executives are joining over at Treasury, senior advisors, the, the advisor to the vice president, the economic advisor to the vice president. We've chronicled this. Well, there's a whole bunch here. See, if you can take homes off the market, you buy them at a loss, right? You're paying way more than the houses are worth. What do you think happens to all the other homes? There's a term for it in real estate. I forget. It's not rateable. It's, um, is it comparables? You buy a home a new construction home for 100000 more than it's worth. What do you think happens to the value of all the other ones? Gives off the impression that if a house on, on this block on Elm Street, even if they're existing homes, goes for $100,000 more, that that's going to inflate the price of all the other homes. People get really excited. Ooh, I could sell my house for more money. Problem is, if they're looking at an unrealized gain tax, if your house jumps now, Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in value. You haven't sold the house. You haven't cashed in that gain. You haven't seen any fruits from that gain. It's just, it's just a market analysis. But what the Democrats want to do is they want to tax that. And if your house is all of a sudden worth exponentially more, and the IRS says, "Well, wait a second, you've got a savings account." You've got a 401k, you've got an IRA, you've got an online trading account. Now your house is worth, who doggy, a whole lot more. Look at your net worth on paper. All of a sudden, you're a rich guy. You didn't sell any of these stocks. You haven't cashed in your IRA or started taking payments from your 401k, but you're a rich guy all of a sudden. Now, if they can create the impression that housing is becoming more and more and more unaffordable, and of course, you got to throw in the racial component, right? The Democrats would have you believe that the suburbs, suburbs are all white and the cities are all people of color. And gosh darn, darn, we've got to use the federal government to remake the suburbs in a way that satisfies demographers and researchers and activists. So those houses that were purchased for way more than they were worth by BlackRock are now going to be sold to people who the government wants to have them with government-backed loans. Oh my God, it sounds like we're back to 2008, doesn't it? Now, Andrew, what does that have to do with the open border? Everything. Listen again. Quote, we're talking about free or affordable childcare where no one pays more than 7% of their income. We're talking about universal pre-K programs with two years of formal instruction. We're talking about Two years of post-secondary education, said Representative Jamal Bowman of New York, a former teacher and principal who's the vice chairman of the House Education and Labor Committee. This is how you build a strong nation. And of course, it continues on with the child tax credits, 
and other giveaways, we're keeping people out of the workforce right now. We're going to give them a cash stipend for not working. We are going to give them money to send their kids to pre-K. We're going to fully fund their child's education to grade 14. And it continues. It continues. To grasp the intended measure's scope, consider a life from conception to death. Democrats intend to fund paid family and medical leave to allow a parent to take some time off during pregnancy and after a child's birth. I mean, if you have, don't have the abortion. When that parent is ready to return to work, whenever the hell that is, expanded funding for child care would kick in to help cover the daycare costs. When that child turns three, another part of the bill, universal pre-K would ensure public education can begin at an earlier age. Right, of course, turn your kids over to the teachers' union, regardless of where that child lives. Most families with children, most families with children will continue to receive federal income supplements each month in the form of an expanded child tax credit that was created temporarily by Mr. Biden's pandemic rescue law that would be extended by the new social policy bill. School nutrition programs expanded on emergency basis during the pandemic will continue to offer children free and reduced price meals long after the coronavirus retreats. And then it goes on. And then it goes on. And then it goes on. Government-run training programs. Free elder care. It's going to, everything is going to be free. But Andrew, you haven't gotten to the part where the open border, it's pretty basic. 500,000 people did not seek a job this summer. This past month, excuse me. The August jobs report. People are being paid not to work. But we need people to do work. Well, let's see. We've got a whole new migrant caravan that's on the way here. Those people will do anything to get into the United States. And if they're promised a good-paying job by the Democrats with all these juicy benefits, some of them might take the job. Or at least what they'll do is they'll backdoor in their $15 an hour, minimum wage. None of this is going to work, but they're going to do it anyway. You can join me live on the Wilkow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125. <laughs>